Do you ever wonder where all your money went? Like every single time you look at your bank account? Honestly, it's probably all those subscriptions. I felt that way too, until I got Rocket Money. Rocket Money helped me see all the subscriptions I'm paying for, and it was eye-opening. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it all adds up so quickly. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Tonight, the death toll rising from those raging wildfires out west. Tens of thousands fleeing the flames. Oregon's 911 system overwhelmed with calls for help. Burned out buildings, charred cars, entire neighborhoods reduced to rubble. Look at this California elementary school. Thankfully, no one was inside. What we're learning tonight about the victims. Campaign cyber attacks. The Microsoft warning tonight, foreign hackers are back and have stepped up their efforts to wreak havoc in the U.S. election, targeting more than 200 political organizations. Tonight, we learn, were they successful? The president on the defensive about why he downplayed the coronavirus threat. I didn't lie. What I said is we have to become. Flooding in the nation's capital. Dramatic images of water rescues. Football's back. The NFL kicks off tonight with social distancing, face masks, but still 17,000 fans in the stands. How this season will be like no other. Cashing in on the pandemic, how taxpayers foot the bill for this Lamborghini in a brazen scheme to rip off $175 million in COVID relief funds. Racing to a cure, the ambitious new innovation at this university, testing 50,000 people twice a week. Could this quick saliva test be part of the answer to crushing COVID? And finally tonight, from TV's Avengers to the Game of Thrones, we'll remember acting legend Diana Rigg. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening and thank you for joining us. We're going to begin in California tonight where at least a dozen people are now dead and thousands of homes and businesses have been incinerated in a fire season that is as devastating as it is historic. As we come on the air tonight, nearly 30 enormous and fast-moving blazes are burning across the state, forcing 20,000 people to flee their homes and leaving thousands more in the danger zone. From Washington State to Oregon down through California, entire towns have now been wiped off the map, including Berry Creek, California, and the surrounding area, where tonight at least three people are dead and a dozen more are still missing. The deadly firestorm is now spewing so much toxic ash into the skies, the smoke trails from the blazes are visible from space. And on the ground, the devastation is even harder to fathom. Tonight, fire crews are trying to keep pace with the flames, but just can't keep up as hot, heavy winds continue to push the flames into a tinderbox of dry brush and houses. More than 100 major fires have now burned across 11 western states in what is rapidly becoming the worst fire season 
in American history. Well, there's a lot of new reporting to get to tonight, and our team of correspondents is standing by to cover it all. CBS's Carter Evans is going to lead off our coverage tonight from Berry Creek, California. That is now the epicenter of one of the worst fires. Good evening, Carter. Good evening, Nora. There is really nothing left here. It's devastation everywhere you look. This used to be a gas station market. You can see where they stacked up the sodas here. It is now gone, like just about everything else in this town. A wall of flames and unimaginable destruction. This is all that's left of Berry Creek, north of Sacramento. This is an elementary school reduced to ashes. And ironically, there's a fire station right across the street. It also burned to the ground. Both fire trucks still inside. People who fled here had very little time to escape. I would say probably most of them were running for their lives. An unprecedented year. Six of California's largest wildfires ever have occurred in 2020. A record three million acres destroyed. It's gotten so bad that on our way up to Berry Creek. We found this fire burning along the side of the road, but firefighters are stretched so thin, there's no one here to keep it from spreading any further. In Southern California, 80 miles east of Los Angeles, the El Dorado fire has roared back to life. In Oregon, more than 800,000 acres charred and the toll just starting to set in. All the hard work that my parents put into this place, gone. South of Medford, entire blocks in the community of Phoenix, Oregon, were leveled. Absolutely nothing left. In Washington state, search crews finding the body of a one-year-old. Back in California, the fires are also causing health alerts. In San Francisco, a fiery glow that one resident said was like being inside a lit jack-o'-lantern. This year it's hitting us harder than ever. We will see increases in ER and hospital admissions. Well, at least two people have died in this town and 12 are still missing in the county here. It is a very difficult situation, Nora. Carter Evans, just north of Sacramento tonight. Thank you. Tonight, President Trump is campaigning in the battleground state of Michigan after calling a last-minute press conference at the White House where he defended himself against the bombshell revelations in the new book by journalist Bob Woodward. This is the president's recorded comments on COVID are having a big impact on the presidential race. Here's CBS's Ed O'Keefe. A defiant and defensive President Trump today tried to argue he was showing strength by not downplaying the dangers of the coronavirus. I didn't lie. What I said is we have to be calm. We can't be panicked. But Mr. Trump was privately telling author Bob Woodward in early February that he knew the coronavirus was a deadly airborne disease. You know, it's a very tricky situation. It's, uh, it, goes, it, it goes through air, Bob. Still, the president went on to hold indoor campaign rallies over the next month, packed with thousands of people. Today, the president denied any responsibility. And this is China's fault. And blamed Woodward for not publishing sooner. If Bob Woodward thought it was bad, then he should have immediately gone out publicly, not wait four months. It's unclear what Mr. Trump meant by the authorities. Joe Biden's campaign sees the president's comments as a pivotal moment in the race, an admission that thousands of lives could have been saved had Mr. Trump spoken up. He waved a white flag. He walked away. He didn't do a damn thing. Think about it. Think about what he did not do. And it's almost criminal. Democrats were already on the air this morning with a new ad. I wanted to always play it down. And running mate Kamala Harris kept up the offensive while courting African-American voters today in Miami. This is the same man, Donald Trump, 
who for days, weeks, if not months thereafter, called it a hoax, dismissed the seriousness of it to the point that he suggested people should not wear masks. Here in Michigan, Democrats are circling the airport where the president is set to speak with a mobile billboard that's blaring audio of the interview the president did with Bob Woodward. But the president's supporters say they have no issue with his response. One man told us, quote, I think he did a wonderful job. Nora. All right, Ed O'Keefe out on the campaign trail tonight. Thank you. We're learning tonight about new, more advanced cyber attacks on American political campaigns. Now, those hacks are believed to come from overseas. Russia, China, and Iran. Let's get right to CBS's Jeff Begay's. And Jeff, I think what's fascinating about this is we're not learning about it from U.S. intelligence. The warning's coming from the tech giant Microsoft, right? Yeah, Nora, what we're hearing tonight is that the presidential campaigns and just about anything or anyone tied to those campaigns are now the target of these foreign powers. This is Microsoft revealing that hackers tied to the Russian government have targeted more than 200 organizations here in the U.S., the Russian hacker is also known as Fancy Bear, who hacked the DNC in 2016, are after passwords that would give them access to confidential information. China's hackers have been targeting high-profile individuals tied to Joe Biden's campaign, looking for insights on how he'd deal with China. And Iran, Microsoft says, is also active, targeting aides inside the Trump campaign. The Biden campaign says none of the attacks have been successful thus far. Also got a statement from DHS, which says so far the election system across the country is holding up. They haven't seen any breaches thus far. Nora. That's certainly a big development tonight, Jeff Begay's. Thank you. Scammers and criminal rings are defrauding the fund that is helping small businesses survive the pandemic. That's according to the Justice Department. Today, the DOJ announced charges against 57 people accusing them of trying to defraud the Paycheck Protection Program of $175 million. In one case, a Florida man allegedly used $300,000 he received to buy this new blue Lamborghini. Well, the program has loaned over $500 billion that has helped more than 5 million businesses stay afloat. And as we come on the air tonight, the coronavirus has killed more than 191,000 Americans. The pandemic is on everyone's mind as the NFL kicks off its new season tonight in Kansas City. Fans will be asked to follow social distancing guidelines, while the players will be focused on social justice. Here's CBS's Janet Shamlan. The biggest test for sports in America since the pandemic. Super Bowl champs Kansas City hosting Houston in the season opener. A game sending the NFL into uncharted territory. It's a unique year and um, we're all aware of it. We trust the protocol. Just under 17,000 spectators tonight in a stadium holding 76,000. Masks required of ticket holders. No cheerleaders or mascots on the field. Will this work? Well, that remains to be seen. Kansas City Health Director, Dr. Rex Archer. We believe it is much, much safer than going to a bar or having a whole bunch of folks over to your home. Knocks down another... Pandemic bubbles like basketball is using, never seriously considered by football. I'm sure that the precautions that they're putting in place are totally legit. I just, uh, for myself as someone who can easily get sick, I'd rather not. If I was George Floyd, if I was George Floyd. And a seismic change on the field amid the movement for racial equality and social justice. George Floyd! A peaceful protest is expected before the game. Players can now wear messages of support. 
And in the end zones tonight, a poignant reminder of what's at stake. There's a lot riding on this game tonight. In a couple of weeks, the COVID numbers will tell whether the safety measures were successful here. But perhaps even more significant, this is our first look at the league's changing stance on players expressing their views on racial injustice. Nora. All right, Janet Chamlin, with all those changes, thank you. Tonight, we could be looking at what could be a coronavirus testing breakthrough. The University of Illinois conducts up to 20,000 tests a day. That's 2% of all COVID tests done nationwide. Students are tested at least twice a week, with results coming in as fast as five hours. In our series, Racing to a Cure, we show you how some experts think mass rapid testing could crush the pandemic. The ambitious, innovative approach is happening here on campus and was designed by Professor Martin Burke and his team. They developed the saliva test, which they call iCOVID. You've done some modeling about what would happen if you didn't have this mass testing. What did you find? What they predicted if we brought all of our students back and don't do anything is pretty much all of them were going to get COVID. I mean, it was a pretty humbling prediction as to how things were going to go. So we knew we were going to have to be, you know, very aggressive. So you created a unique test? We had to. So they say uh, necessity is the driver of innovation. And so we decided to go all in on developing a saliva-based test that could be fast and scalable. You're up. The university is a model for what some say we should be doing as a country. Frequent mass testing, ideally at home. Harvard epidemiologist Michael Minna says widespread use of home tests could help contain outbreaks at the source and crush them in as little as a month. The accuracy of them to detect People who are most likely to transmit to other people can get very, very high, uh, probably in the high 90 percentiles. There are currently no FDA-approved home coronavirus tests, but more than two dozen companies are racing to develop one, including Orishore Technologies, which is the only company with an approved at-home test for an infectious disease. An individual can get the results in the comfort of their own home in about uh, 20 or 40 minutes. It will be uh, done with a nasal swab, and it's read very much like a pregnancy test. Orishore CEO Dr. Stephen Tang admits there are challenges in getting these tests to market, but is hopeful that his company is close. We are on a regulatory pathway to seek emergency use authorization for product launch in the fourth quarter of this year, so before the end of 2020. So that's coming soon. And while there is some concern about the accuracy of home tests, there's agreement among experts that America needs to be testing much more. Now, at this point, the U.S. is doing about 25 million tests a month. But one estimate says we need to increase that to 200 million. And that's why everyone is waiting for this technology to catch up. We're going to turn now to breaking news coming in out of Texas, where tonight four Houston police officers have been fired in connection with a deadly shooting in April. Body cam footage, which we want to warn you, is graphic, is just coming out tonight, showing Nicholas Chavez on his knees before he was shot to death. Now, Chavez had a history of mental illness. The police chief now says the 27-year-old had a piece of metal in his hand and that the officers fired 21 shots after Chavez picked up one of their stun guns while a grand jury is now investigating. Today, the Senate failed to pass a COVID relief bill as we get more evidence that the economic recovery has stalled. 884,000 Americans filed for unemployment insurance last week. That's about the same as the week before. And because of all the layoffs, most young adults are now living with their parents. That is the first time that has happened since the Great Depression. Here's CBS's Mark Strassman. 
Can't quite remember what day we are on. From her parents' basement, Jacqueline Childers feels like a troll living under a bridge. Morning, guys. Happy six-month anniversary living at home. She had to move home to Metro Atlanta. In April, when COVID ravaged New York City, she lost her job as a digital marketing rep. As a 29-year-old living with your parents, we've kind of had to reintroduce each other as adults. What's the hardest part? The hardest part is total lack of independence. 52% of young adults, 26.6 million people, now live with their parents. More than 2.5 million have moved in since February, when the pandemic began. They're not renting apartments, not buying houses, slowing the economic recovery. And it's often rough on parents like Liz Childers. It's just been hard because you're seeing a loss of their life. What'd you say? With a basement bedroom that has a sheet for privacy, Childers gives herself a pep talk every day. I remind myself that it, this is temporary, like all things are, and, you know, it'll be okay. What she dreads is the thought of turning 30 and still living in her parents' basement. Mark Strassman, CBS News, Dunwoody, Georgia. Heavy downpours flooded the streets of Washington, D.C. today. Dozens of cars got stuck and some people had to be rescued. Streams quickly overflowed as some areas in the suburbs got six inches of rain. The National Weather Service says there were more than 40 reports of flooding from Alexandria, Virginia to Prince George's County, Maryland. British actress Diana Rigg, whose career spanned multiple decades, died of cancer today. She burst onto the scene in 1965 as secret agent Emma Peel in the TV series The Avengers. She later became a Bond girl, the only one to marry 007 in On Her Majesty's Secret Service. A younger generation will remember her as the Queen of Thorns in the Game of Thrones. Diana Rigg was 82 years old. Remote learning isn't easy, especially for students with special needs. But one program is adapting to this new normal by bringing the lessons right to the students. Here's CBS's Meg Oliver. You having fun? Yes, I do have fun, Mom. Pre-pandemic, 11-year-old Kingston Farrell loved visiting Lifetown Village in Columbus, Ohio, a realistic simulated town for special needs kids. When the pandemic hit and Lifetown had to shut down, how hard was that on Kingston? It's hard because he's used to routine. The sixth grader is autistic and repeatedly asked his mom when the free program would reopen when she inquired. They contacted me in 10 minutes. Within days, Lifetown launched Lifetown on the go, bringing a miniature village to Kingston's front yard. Okay, thank you, Kingston. When Lifetown pulled up in front of your house, Kingston, what did you think? Were you happy? Yes. Show me what you did when Lifetown showed up on your front yard. The interactive village helps special needs children practice important life skills like grocery shopping and withdrawing money from the bank. So you guys want to work together and fill out your withdrawal slip? Okay. It gives them some normalcy. I mean, they already probably feel outcast. What are these called? Very good. They cater to more than 2,500 students across Ohio. And with generous donations coming in, they're expanding one bike rental at a time. Meg Oliver, CBS News. We needed that story today. 
And on tomorrow's CBS Evening News, CBS's Steve Hartman is on the road. When an electrician saw a customer's home was falling apart, guess what? He got a team of gladiators to help make it right. And if you can't watch us live, don't forget to set your DVR so that you can watch us later. That is tonight's edition of the CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell in our nation's capital. We'll see you right back here tomorrow. Good night. Hey, it's Matt Norlander with the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball podcast, and it is tournament time, people. So listen to the one podcast that will cover every upset, Cinderella, Bracket Buster Sleeper. We've got it all covered, every round, reaction shows, all the way up through the championship game in Glendale, Arizona. To find us, search Eye on College Basketball podcast wherever you get your podcasts.